Welcome to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon, where our mission is bringing the good news and demonstrating the kingdom. Join us live for Worship in the Word, Sunday mornings at 10 a.m. on our YouTube channel. We hope you are encouraged and equipped by this week's word with our senior pastor, Emily Tadro. Y'all, I'm a mess today. Like a big mess. I've been a mess all week. Yeah, it's great. It's awesome. I'm probably going to cry and laugh and all of the emotions today. I feel like I'm, um, I don't know. God's doing something in me that he, I don't fully know what it is yet, but I'm really glad. Um, and it's really awesome when your pastor is a total mess and um, that's what you want. So, yay, God. But something's been going on for the last couple, three weeks, and um, I think I'm not the only person. Raise your hand if you've been a mess lately. Yeah. It's, it's time for the church to get messed up again. For us to encounter God's presence like we were created to. And to be ruined for anything less than his presence. But it's not just for in this space, guys. You know that. Like, we're a missional community. We, we gather to grow, to be sent out. That's who we are. Um, so... Many times in moves of God that we've experienced here in this place, it's, it's resulted in action outside of the four walls. But I think it's really easy when you're experiencing just all the goodness and glory and wonder of his presence and being revived. I think it's really easy to just be like, I never want to leave, right? I never want to leave. Well, we don't leave the place of his presence, but friends, we we got to leave the building. We have to. It's not meant for in here. So I, um, I'm just going to speak from my heart this morning. Not that I don't speak from my heart normally, but normally I prepare a word. And I just, the Lord didn't allow me to do that this week. And for all the men in here, I'm sorry for the sound of my voice when I cry. Um, I know it's annoying to many of you, but you'll be okay. It's all right. Um, you know, there's revival popping up all over the nation. Um, it's been going on in secret for many years. Our friends at YWAM, the circuit riders, and um, Fire and Fragrance, they have been going all over the nation for years, carrying this revival and presence of God to campuses all over the nation, um, Asbury being one of them, Belmont College, like Yale, Harvard, all of Georgetown, like every com major campus you can imagine, our friends have been riding through the night 
and carrying this message of revival and carrying it and imparting it to a generation. So there's been many people praying for many, many years, many Annas in the temple crying out, persistent in prayer for God to pour out his spirit again and um, awaken the church. And we are stepping into the the answers of those prayers and that cause being carried. It's happening. And um, yay, God. And I've just been thinking about revival um, because, you know, we love revival. That's We were birthed in revival. This church, if you don't know that, this church was planted in the midst of revival. There was a healing outpouring. Many of you already know this story, and it's like, yeah, that's an old story. But it must be told because this is our inheritance. Um, it's our testimony. Do it again, God. Um, but we were, we were literally planted out of an outpouring of healing and deliverance and awakening and renewal and God making families healthy again and husbands being awakened to passion for Jesus and then like passion for their home and, and just, you know, all of these things. I watched it with my eyes when I was a senior in high school and I saw it happening, but it ha- started happening way before that too. I've just been thinking about revival. Um, I, I think I was probably about five or six years old. So it's been about 40 plus years, it's 40 years now. I'm 45. It's been 40 years. I remember living in revival. Like that was my normal. Our family lived in revival. I don't know if everyone in the room can say that, but that is my experience. And I don't really remember a time. Now, I wasn't personally experiencing all of this revival, but I was watching it take place. I was the little girl being drugged to houses to pray for the sick. I was the little girl that was, like, taking a nap on the floor while, you know, the families around were just gaga in God's presence and worshiping and praying and laughing and experiencing all of those things. You know, I I just, I'm a revival kid. And I was trying to remember when I stopped experiencing revival. Because if I'm being honest, the last probably 10 years, I don't think it's been that way. Has that been anybody else's experience? Like, yeah, I've experienced God's presence. I've grown a ton. I think, how how many of you have grown a ton in the last 10 years? Yeah. But an outpouring of his spirit, it's waned for the last 10 years. And um, we've longed for it. And I could go and like, you know, philosophize and, is that a word? Um, we'll say it is. Um, I could like, you know, theorize why revival waned. I don't want to do that today. That's not the point. My point is, is that it, it did, and I'm hungry for more. I'm like, how did I live? <laughs> how did I do life without just being wrecked all the time? 
how have I parented all these years? How have I done business? Like, I don't want to go through the motions, you know? How many of you feel like sometimes you've just gone through the motions? We were created for more than that. We were created for intimacy, to live in the overflow all the time. It's not meant to wane. It's not meant to disappear. I have so many thoughts running through my head, but, you know, since all of this, these pockets of young, oh my gosh, Gen Z is just getting awakened, which as a mother of Gen Z, I'm like, yes, thank God. You know, my daughter's like, that's my biggest heart's cry. If I could have a trillion dollars or my children fall in love with Jesus and be completely consumed with passion for him, I would take that every time. And I know every mom and dad in the room feel the same way. Um, So that's like been my heart cry. And so to see this generation awakening, to see anxiety be broken, it's had a vice grip this last several years. It's had a vice grip, my own kids included, me included at times. How many of you have suffered with anxiety in the last? Like, no. Angela said it last week. It was so good. We've come under a deception in that. Like, we were made for more than that. And, okay, I'm glad now that my eyes are open, like what Jonah said this morning. Because now we just get to quickly repent. And times of refreshing can come. It's so good. So, okay, Lord, you've opened our eyes that we were made for more than this. So we take it into your presence and we give it to you and we say, what do you have in exchange for me? Well, it's joy. It's freedom. It's peace. Like, I have been laughing in the Holy Ghost. Like, that's not my normal laugh, just so you know. It is my normal laugh, but I don't usually get that deep in the laugh. Like, we haven't laughed that much lately. But the Lord is pouring out his joy. He's trading sorrow. He's trading heaviness for a spirit of joy and praise. How many of you saw Jesus Revolution in the theater? Oh my goodness. Just, there's so many, yes, okay. There's so many things right now just pointing to Revival, awakening, Jesus, his presence, his goodness, his plan and his purpose for us. I saw it twice with a day in between because I was like, I saw it with Justin and some friends here from from church. And then I was like, girls, I called my daughters. I'm like, mom needs to take you somewhere. (laughs) Come to this movie with me. So we did, we went and... The movie's great, but the biggest thing about it for me was remembrance. This is who we are. This is our inheritance as sons and daughters of God to be fully awake and fully alive and church to be full of love, to be full of forgiveness, acceptance, belonging, to to preach the forgiveness of sins, to look someone in the face and say, you're forgiven, to release the power of the gospel. And 
Okay, so these are all the things that are swirling in me. And then just his heavy presence where I'm crying and laughing and crying and laughing. And I think you guys can relate. And this week, um, I've had this album for a while now. But I, uh, it was just playing while I was doing something. I don't remember. And um, Lindy Kofer, C-O-F-E-R. And the circuit riders have an album. It's called I See the Lord. And the whole album is Jesus this. It's like Jesus and something. So Jesus the healer. Jesus my beloved. Um, Jesus, Lord of the harvest. And it has multiple different ones. Jesus Christ and Christ crucified. It's all these songs about Jesus. And the last song on it is called Jesus the revivalist. And I was listening to that song, and I was just undone at the reality. Like, Jesus is the ultimate revivalist. You know, we have had all these different catalysts of revival. And in the movie, Lonnie Frisbee is a catalyst of revival, right? In our experience, we've had different people who have come in carrying revival and awakening and have been catalysts to release something. And there's nothing wrong with that. There will be more of that. But the ultimate catalyst for revival is Jesus. And that is so awesome because Jesus is without flaw. He is perfect in every way. Like all of these catalysts that are human have flaws. And that's wonderful because in our imperfection, God, he'll use anybody. He will use anybody. If he'll use me, he will use anybody. Thank God. So that's encouraging. But Jesus, who is perfect in all his ways, who has never disappointed anyone, who has never sinned, who has never screwed up, who has, he carries like all that we ever want or dream of or could ask for. It's embodied in him. He's the ultimate revivalist. And he is, he is going out throughout the earth. He's carrying revival in him and he's releasing it. And some of it has nothing to do with the person. It has everything to do with God saying, now it's my time. I'm going to release myself. I'm not going to hold back anymore. I'm just going to reveal myself. And so we've been praying as a community. We've been praying for the revelation of Jesus, right? We've been talking about, you know, um, I think it's Romans 8, 19. Uh, All creation stands on tiptoe, waiting for the unveiling, the revealing of the sons and daughters of God. That's, that's this kind of revival that we're talking about. And Jesus is carrying that. He's revealing himself. This is really good. This is really good. Like, it can't get screwed up. If I'm the catalyst, I will surely screw it up. But Jesus is perfect. So I just wanted to just make some declarations of what Jesus the revivalist looks like. If I prepared it all, it was just that. He carries purely the forgiveness of sins. First and foremost, he came to crush sin. He came to crush its power, its hold on us. If you are struggling with sin this morning, and everyone in here is, just FYI.
we, the Bible says it, we are all sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God, but the gift of God, like God has made a way. He has made a way. He has paid the price to cancel sin. And the gift of God is eternal life, right? So, okay. So Jesus has come to forgive sins. Jesus, the revivalist, releases the forgiveness of sins. Jesus, the revivalist, releases restoration to the Godhead, to the Father. Holy Spirit partnered with Jesus. Holy Spirit is releasing and unveiling Jesus. It's a partnership. Holy Spirit is brooding over the earth. He's here. Jesus breathed upon the disciples, and he said, I give you the gift of the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit is here, and he is revealing Jesus. And he is bringing restoration to connection with the heart of God. If you feel far away from the Lord this morning, Jesus the revivalist is here to reconnect you like a plug in the light socket. He is here to plug you in and turn it on, reconnect you. I'm such a mess, I forgot my Bible today. Like, I didn't even grab it. I'm like, thank God for phones. Um, Jesus, the revivalist, is here to restore relationships. Things that are too messy, things that are too far gone in our own humanity, in our own human strength. I've seen Jesus the revivalist come in and restore the most broken of relationships. If you are like going through, walking through a divorce, if you are estranged from your kids, if you have business relationships that have been broken, Jesus the revivalist is here to bring restoration. That's what he does. He said, I came to point to the Father to bring us back into connection. When he abolished sin, he opened the door for us to reconnect, didn't he? As we reconnect to God, it seems that we have the courage, the heart posture. Like, I can't do some of the things to bring restoration in my relationships without the help and the leadership of Jesus in my life. I told you guys this before, like, how God broke in in the early years of our marriage you know, when I thought I was really right and righteous in my own thinking and like, you know, Justin had everything screwed up and he needed to be fixed immediately. And Holy Spirit changed my heart. I would have probably, we probably wouldn't be together. Almost 20, our anniversary is in two weeks. For 24 years we've been married and I would say 22 and a half have been awesome. Jesus, the revivalist, did something in my heart so that I could see the gift that God gave me with the eyes of pure love without, you know, all the crap that we see when we look at people with our own eyes. And 
I like, I'm like, oh my gosh, you're way better than I deserve. You're more than I could have asked for. And I mean that, that with everything in me. I married up. Yeah, for sure. I did. I did. But God is the one that made that possible. And I'm just saying to you this morning, no matter what's going on in your relationship, I'm not saying it's magic fairy dust, but he'll change your heart. Honestly, every single one of us in here with a broken relationship with someone need our own heart changed. Am I right? If you have gone through restoration, you will be the first to say, yeah, it was me. We need our own hearts changed. And and Jesus, the revivalist, is so loving and so kind, and he comes in without condemnation and without, like, accusation, and he says, hey, let's fix this. I don't want you to be this way anymore. I want to help you. And he begins to cause our eyes to see clearly. And he releases restoration in our relationships. Um, Healing. We all know he does healing, right? When Jesus comes to town, the Bible, there's so many scriptures. Matthew 12, 15, it says, He healed all that were sick among them. Luke 4, 40, no matter what their diseases were, the touch of his hand healed everyone. Matthew 9, 35, he preached the good news about the kingdom and healed every kind of disease and illness. He released miracles. Matthew 15, 30, those who couldn't speak were talking, the cripple were made well, the lame were walking, and the blind could see again. He raised the dead. You know, countless times he raised the dead. Jesus, the revivalist, carries resurrection power. It doesn't matter what's dead. If he touches it, it will come to life. He brings deliverance. How many of us need deliverance? Come on, let's be honest today. If we have, you know, if we're under the weight of of negative thinking, if we have fear, if we have anxiety, if we have worry, If we're angry, whoa, I'm so thankful that God just set me free from a spirit of anger. Not just now. Not just this second. But he did in my life. And you know what? Everybody in my life is really glad that he set me free and delivered me. Like, literally, I was set free from a demonic whatever. Let's, I mean, this was, again, 23 years ago. I literally woke up with the blood-curdling scream, in my dream, God was setting me free from a spirit of anger. Can you be a Christian and be demonized? I don't know. I was. And um, I'm set free. Jesus the revivalist came into my dream. He came into my dream, and he said, you don't need to be angry. And he roared into my ear. And when he did, a demon came up and out of my mouth and screamed on its way out. And my husband said, what was that? And I said, I got set free from a spirit of anger. Now, guess what? That little demon likes to come by and whisper in my ear sometimes. And I say, Jesus, the revival has set me free. Am I the liar or the devil? The devil. Thought maybe it was a mocking spirit right there. I was going to cast you out. Cast you out. No. 
you all probably have some of these stories too, right? The Jesus, the revivalist, he came in and he did something in our lives. He changed us. And guess what? He wants to change the rest of the world too. And some of us need him to change us again. Some of us need him to come in and touch our hearts. That's what he's doing with me again right now. I'm so thankful. I'm so thankful that he is invading my space. He, there's lots of scriptures about him healing the demoniacs and setting people free from the power of the, the liar, the oppressor. Jesus, the revivalist, came and preached repentance of sins. Not only did he preach repentance of sins, but he just said, repent. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. We talked about this in Forge on Wednesday. Repent. What does that mean? Well, the Greek means to change your mind, to have your mind changed. When Jonah was talking about what happened, what he was talking about was he was repenting. God was leading him through repentance to surrender negative thinking, to surrender wrong thinking, right, Jonah? Wrong thinking. And to change our mind and to think a new way. And to think about the kingdom. We've been thinking about religious stuff. We've been thinking about coming into church and like lifting our hands in worship and getting what we need when we come in here. And Jesus would even say, repent even for that. Think a new way. It's not like just like fall on the floor and be sorrowful about your sin. If he wants to lead you there, he'll do that. But a lot of repentance is freedom from stinking thinking. And there's been a lot of garbage thinking in the church. And Jesus the revivalist is coming in again today and he's saying, repent. Change the way you think. Operate a new way. Um, a couple weeks ago, remember, behold, I'm doing a new thing. Forget the former things, guys. Repent. Forget the former things because I'm doing a new thing. And now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I hear that when I hear Jesus saying, repent, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He wants to shatter some of our wrong thinking, our boxes that we have put him in, our religiosity. And he just wants to come in and be the real Jesus. And release the real kingdom, which is righteousness, peace, and joy. We need some joy in this house. We need some joy in this nation. We need some joy. We certainly need righteousness. It's really easy to look and go, that's not righteous. We like to look at those things. Righteous, not righteous. On my side, on the wrong side, right? You don't fit the criteria, but... Jesus is releasing his righteousness in us and through us. He's releasing his peace in us and through us. And his joy in us and through us. So that we can carry his kingdom. You, we know all of this. I'm just here to like cheerlead us for what we already know. Because Jesus is on the move. He is on the move. He, 
Jesus the revivalist brings transformation. How many of us have had our lives transformed by Jesus? We were on one path. We were going one way. And he came in. And what is the very thing that transforms us the most? It says love. You know, that scripture that says, he who has sinned much loves much. It's so true. Like when we really experience the love of God, it just, oh my gosh, I want to live a new way. I recognize how trapped I was before, and I just want to live a new way. Jesus the revivalist is coming, and he's bringing transformation. He's here, and he's bringing transformation. If, like Julie said this morning when we were singing, as wide as we will let him go, as deep as we will take him in, he will come and he will transform. Get out of the way. Get out of the way because Jesus the revivalist is here and he's coming in and he's bringing transformation. He brought societal change. He came in, Jesus the revivalist. He turned over tables in the religious setting. He said, you know what? I know you're a woman and I know society does not value you, but I'm going to make you the first evangelist when he met the woman at the well. He let the women come and be a part of his tribe. He let the little children come and he said, let these children come to me. And if anyone gets in the way of that, woe to you. He came in and he said, I'm going to be friends with the leper. I'm going to heal the leper. I'm going to be friends with the sinner. I'm going to be friends with the tax collector. In fact, come and follow me. And he just shifted what society said. Like, if you guys have been watching The Chosen at all, you can see it play out in real life. I love that because it just, just makes it look so like, oh, I get it. I get it now. Like, the tax collectors were like dogs. They were wealthy, but they were, they were trash. Nobody liked them. I mean, nobody really likes the IRS today either, but we don't know who they are. They're behind a secret desk that, you know, it's a phone number. God help the people on the phones when people get a hold of them. Those are the kind of people that Jesus was like, you have a seat at my table. That's societal change. I'm going to tell you guys something. I'm not proud of it at all. (laughs) I'm not proud of it at all. But this week I was praying um, with some of the ladies at church, and we started out talking about, you know, just Jesus revolution because we had just seen it. And, um, you know, to me, in my mind, like, Hippies are awesome. Like, I kind of want to be a hippie. So it's funny to me watching it, like, that it was such a big deal in the 70s, you know, that Chuck Smith was like, I've never met a hippie. But if God sent one to my church, I'd like to ask them some questions. And then God sends one to his church, and then he sends hippies in mass. And so I was just like, who are the hippies of today? You know, the ones that nobody wants in their building, Uh, Yeah, I do too, because I vocalized it to God. And I said, Lord, I would take hippies. I would love to have some hippies. 
but you're probably just going to send me like a bunch of homeless people that are addicts. I know. And you guys, I immediately was so heartsick at my own judgment. I think a lot of us in this room need to get heartsick at our own judgment. And then it was like, as fast as I said it, and, and I didn't say it out loud until I prayed a repair of repentance. I said, Jesus, it would be an honor. It would be an honor to welcome the addict and the homeless. And I know they are going to make a mess in here. And I know that they are going to, like, cause a scene. Because they do. We have watchmen to, like, help with that, right? When people come in addicted, they're not necessarily always safe. And I was just like, Lord, I really don't want that to be my church. I'm just being honest. I'm so, like, honestly, I'm embarrassed to say it. And then within a second of repenting, I was able to see what an honor it would be. to be a place where people who are unlovely and unloved could come in and find family. What does that even look like? But if Jesus the revivalist is coming in and he's saying, you matter, and he did it for me, I could not stand here if Jesus didn't come in and make it okay for women to be a part of his tribe. Wouldn't it be something if this whole church was full of people without homes and that are addicted and Jesus set them free and they find a home and they find a family and they are restored to life? Wouldn't that be an honor? Wouldn't that be a privilege? But guys, we've got to get outside of our own comfort zone. And I, as I say it, I'm like, oh my goodness, What is about to happen? But what good is having this place? In the middle of the city. And the only place for them is in the corners. Outside underneath the eaves, in the cover of night. I don't know what it looks like practically. But he's about to mess us up. And it would be an honor to see our society transformed. Like, what are the modern-day hippies? Bring them, Lord. I'm so thankful that Jesus turned over tables. Jesus. Jesus, the revivalist, carried family. He was born into a literal family. He had a mom and a dad. He had siblings. He honored them. They walked with him. 
he created family for the disciples. He created family for these ones that I'm talking about right now. That's why they all followed him. Revival carries the culture of family in it. And I think a lot of us do our individual family really well. Some of us are messy. But we try really hard, even when we're messy. But what does it look like for a revival community to carry family? Jesus valued family so much. I, I was thinking about this, the demoniac that was in chains in the Gadarenes. When he came to his senses, when the demonic spirits left him and he cast them into the sea, he, this man wanted to follow Jesus. And he said, actually, what you need to do is go to your family. Be restored to your family. Be parented. Be nurtured. He really had that value. There's some of us in this room that are going to carry that kind of family, that those who have been delivered and set free, they need to come in. Friendship is something that Jesus, the revivalist, carries. We can see it all throughout just the Gospels. The way he wept over his friend, Lazarus, when he died. It's the only time in scripture that it says that Jesus wept. And Jordan, that's a real scripture. Jesus wept. That's an inside joke. <laughs> Do you remember? Um, anyway. He was completely... Um, he was completely pure in his life, and in being that way, he fulfilled the law. I could keep going on, but I think the biggest thing that Jesus the Revivalist did was he, he called us back to connection with the Father, and then he just obliterated religion. And I think that's the thing that we probably need maybe even the most right now, is for us to be restored in true intimacy with the Godhead and for religion and judgment and legalism and all of those things in our lives to just be obliterated the way that Jesus came in and he did. Um, whether it was telling the disciples to eat wheat on the Sabbath, um, you know, or just confronting the religious spirit at every turn and saying, you don't understand, there's something more for you. I believe that that's what Jesus is doing right now. He's, he's releasing something fresh in his, in his people, in his church. And he's on the move and he's carrying all of those things that I just talked about in himself. And he wants to give it to us. Um, I think more than anything I could say today, I think just posturing our hearts to receive from him. 
and even to pray in our own space and just ask God, Jesus the Revivalist, what are you doing in my life today? Thanks for listening to Jesus Pursuit's weekly sermon. If you would like to be a part of seeing people encounter God, experience transformation, and be equipped to advance the kingdom, you have the opportunity to partner with us through giving at jesuspursuit.org forward slash give. Together, we can make Jesus famous in Albany, the Northwest, and the nations. We hope you have a blessed week, and we'll see you next time.